0: There's not much you can uh, you can say other than they beat us. They played way better than us. We played uh, bad. I played bad and uncharacteristic uh, of uh, how we've practiced in training camp. Obviously, how I played over the years. So this is hopefully an outlier moving forward. We'll find out next week.
1: Kind of an intimate program, really, when you think about it. It's a- source of intimacy for couples. Uh, maybe if you and your significant other, maybe you're just not connecting right now, we'll throw the show on in the background and join it together. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk
2: sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks, the Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
1: You know, last season, I was kind of working on this theory in my mind. That maybe the Packers play so poorly in California because it's really liberal state. Maybe just a really patriotic team. They just value freedom and then they go to California and they hate it. So restrictive. So liberal taxes are so high. Maybe that throws them off their game. I I don't know. Governor Newsom, they just hate it out there. I I don't know. And I was working on this theory because every time they play in LA, it's terrible. Had a really ugly bad game against the Rams a couple of years. They were terrible against the Chargers in L.A. in 2019. Against the Niners. God help their soul. So every time they go out to California, they were terrible. And I was starting to think, well, maybe maybe there's some political bias here from the Packers. Well, I think it's time to put that theory to bed. Although that theory never made it to the air. Because they play terrible when they go to Florida, too. They got dusted in Tampa. They always seem to have weird, clunky, odd games in Miami. And then... In Jacksonville. What what was that yesterday? Jeez, this team goes to different time zones, and they just crumble. They fall apart. I thought it was maybe political, but Florida's as free as it gets. There are no taxes down there. There's probably not a mask anywhere inside the borders of that state. And they go down there, and they play, like, dump, too. So for my geographical takes, my geopolitical takes regarding the Packers, I'm back to the drawing board. (laughs) That's probably for the best. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Packers got smoked yesterday. Final score of 38-3. to And my heart goes out to all of you that might have had a party or had people over or went over to someone's house, because we've all been there before. I watched with like two friends yesterday. We watched games all day. So our our day was not centered around the Packer game. But I'm sure a lot of you, you had plans, co-workers having us over, we're going to go to so-and-so's for the game, bring a dish to pass. And then ten minutes into the game, it's over, and everyone's standing around. It's like, well, this sucks. This is awkward. Do you want to, you want to throw on a different game? Do we want to? What do you, you? I know that feeling when you have a Packer watch party, and the game's over before it starts. Is it's brutal. It's brutal. Both of the NFC Championship games, the the Niners, and then the game against the Niners the year or the couple of weeks before that. I had a little gathering in twenty nineteen for both of those games that I was at. Wind the energy just sucked right out of the room. And I'm sure a lot of you experienced that yesterday. So if you had a party and you organized something, you had plans, I'm sorry. Because that's the absolute worst. There was nothing positive to take away from this game. There was nothing to hang our hat on. There wasn't even a moment where we're like, oh, maybe, maybe they're going to... No, not even that, which maybe was for the best, given that it just ripped the Band-Aid off. Don't even even keep us on the hook for three hours. It's fine. We're going to talk a lot about this game today. Even Aaron Rodgers in that little show open that I threw together about five minutes before the the show started... Said, yeah, I don't I don't know that there's a lot of positives. So if you're looking for someone to make you feel better about the game, I I don't know if I'm the guy. I don't think I'm gonna pile on and make you feel worse. How's that? That's the endorsement for today's show. I don't think I'm gonna make you feel worse. Can't promise that I'll make you feel better, but I know I won't make you feel any worse whatsoever. We're gonna spend just about all two hours today talking about the Packers. Maybe mention the Brewers, because they just had a heck of a weekend. They're throwing no hitters. They're putting up 10 spots. Avi Garcia's having multi-homer games. Colton Wong's hitting dong shots. I, the Brewers are good. There you go. There's the Brewers take for the day. Now, if at some point you want to call in to talk Packers and also mention the Brewers, I'll be BS about the Brewers for a while. But for the most part, these next two hours are going to be all Packers. You can tweet me, follow along with the show, at Wisco Grant. I tweeted out a couple of teasers, little uh, samples of what to expect on tonight's show. Of course, you can text and call on the Talk & Text line, 608-796-2558. Coming up at 4.30, I do want to talk about some other games, because if we talk about the Packers' lost for two hours straight, I think we're going to lose our mind. So I do want to talk about a couple of other games. Yesterday was a blast. I almost don't care that the Packers lost. It really didn't impact my mood. I was bummed as a Packer fan. It sucks that they started 0-1, and they looked as bad as they did, but I was so amped to just have games on yesterday. Chiefs-Browns was awesome. Sunday night football was interesting until the game actually started, and then the Bears kind of sucked the air out of that balloon which was a bummer, but not all of that surprising. There were some really surprising uh, outcomes yesterday. I believe I have it written down. I know where it is. There were, or maybe I didn't write it down. I think there were eight underdogs that won outright. Yeah, eight eight betting line underdogs that won outright yesterday. So there were some wild outcomes, some really fun games. At 4.30, I want to mix in a couple different topics. 5.30, we're going to do the Joe Barry defense conversation, but we got to start with Aaron Rodgers. Today was supposed to be the day after an off-season of BSing about Aaron Rodgers and the drama and Jeopardy and Adam Schefter, his accumulation of information. Today was supposed to be the day that we get into real football again, right? We talk X's and O's, scheme, trenches, right? Things like that. But I think if we started today's show by saying they didn't run the ball enough, I think we'd be missing the point, right? I don't think that's the point of yesterday's game. And we are going to talk about some scheme stuff. But we got to start by talking about Aaron Rodgers. Every other factor in this game completely pales in comparison. And I think if we started by, oh, we got to run the ball more, uh, play more, press man coverage. Okay, sure. Those things might be true. But that's so far off the radar and and off of the big takeaway from yesterday's game. Compare 2020 Aaron Rodgers, last season Aaron Rodgers, to what we saw yesterday. Looks like two completely different players, both in play and in appearance, when you factor in his Weird man bun that I know is very controversial. I don't really care. He can grow the hair that he wants. Have fun, right? When you can grow flow like that, who am, who am I to hate? 2020, Aaron Rodgers, and this season, Aaron Rodgers so far through one game looks like two completely different players. Almost looks like Jack Cohen and, and Graham Mertz. Ooh, yeah. We need to talk about that. We need to talk about Aaron Rodgers because if yesterday's Aaron Rodgers is the Rodgers we're getting all year, call call it. Call it like Kevin Malone doing CPR in the office. Call call it. It's done. It's over. That was 2018 Aaron Rodgers. That was the Aaron Rodgers that quarterbacked a team that finished 6-9-1 and and fired their head coach and lost to Josh Rosen at home. Now, that team was bad for other reasons. There were some good parts of that season for Aaron Rodgers, but statistically, that was a horrid season and especially as his performance impacted winning he might have prevented interceptions and and had some good yardage numbers but it wasn't complimentary winning football in 2018 and that team was bad because McCarthy was at the end of the string and they had injuries and I I think they were bereft of talent at certain positions but 2018 Rodgers is the measuring stick for what we saw yesterday and there were a couple of traits that we didn't see even in 2019 or certainly in 2020 last year when he won MVP we saw some things yesterday that we haven't seen in probably three years the year that Aaron Rodgers got his coach fired. The biggest thing I saw yesterday was throwaways. And it's not just intentional passes that he's saying, all right, throw it out of bounds. It's balls that are just completely uncatchable. And maybe he thought he had something there and he thought he could fit it in. And, and, and no, the pass just didn't have a chance. Even on manageable third downs. The Packers were bad on third down yesterday, which I think is a reason to feel optimistic. Because third down conversion rate is something that's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's pretty fluky from game to game. There's a lot of luck attributed to third down. Now, being crisp and being on the same page and executing, yes, absolutely. But they were dismal on third down yesterday. I think, what were they, like 1 in 10? The page is loading. The connection's sometimes slow in here. Yeah, they were 1 of 10 on third down yesterday. New Orleans is 5 of 10. That's kind of a fluky number, but even on manageable third downs, Aaron Rodgers was throwing passes that just didn't have a prayer. And in 2018, he had 59 throwaways, which was the most ever that had ever been charted since that stat was started to be recorded which was like I don't remember how many years the sample size was I got the data from PFF but it had been a while he threw the ball away at an unprecedented rate in 2018 we saw that yesterday interceptions he only had two picks in 2018 he had two picks yesterday which not not really the same thing but still very bad very 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 bad he was looking at the pressure instead of keeping his eyes downfield he threw behind Devontae Adams in the red zone he was focused on the pressure that was a big factor also it was just a bad throw that he didn't get enough on Right, and then that second interception, I, I have no clue what he was doing. That would have been a horrendous pass if the safety, Marcus Williams, wasn't there. And he was there. I have no clue what he was doing with that. He just said, screw it. Let's see if MVS can go get the ball. The interceptions were horrendous. And I think the most damning thing I saw yesterday, and the most obvious thing, that when Aaron Rodgers is playing poorly, he will look for pass interferences on every play. You, you'll, you'll see after the play, he'll have his arms up in the air. That's the white flag. That is the Aaron Rodgers white flag. Just the hands up looking for the P.I., that's bad. That's a, that's a harbinger. That's a sign of things to come. That's a big word for the day. SAT word. Worked it in there. Those are some things that I saw yesterday made me think of Aaron Rodgers pre-2020. 2018 is the worst version. 2019, he got slightly better, but still wasn't there. And then last year, we really saw it. Yesterday was a complete and total relapse to 2018 Aaron Rodgers. The Aaron Rodgers, they drafted Jordan Love to replace because they thought he was declining. And he was until 2019. The team was great. And last year, Rodgers was great. Those are the things that Rodgers is going to have to quit, like, yesterday and certainly by next Monday because Detroit looks like they're a plucky team. They might not be very good, but they're plucky, the opposite of what the Packers were yesterday. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't quit all of those things, they're starting 1-3 in three because they have Pittsburgh, they have San Fran, and they have Cincinnati up after that, and Cincinnati just beat the Vikings yesterday. Now, assuming they beat Detroit and they could start 1-3 in three with the schedule that they have with that version of Aaron Rodgers, Right? Assuming Aaron Rodgers can quit some of these things. Now, the inverse of that, I want to talk about the things that we saw in 2020, his MVP season, that we didn't see yesterday, right? So what made Aaron Rodgers great last year that we didn't see yesterday? Something that really jumped out to me was the the bootlegs, right? When Aaron Rodgers is rolling out in play action and Robert, Robert Tunyon is leading the way, Robert Tunyon wasn't as wide open as we saw in 2020. He was just kind of open because those plays were free yardage last year which was Matt LaFleur really finally figuring out his offense, and then the Packers taking the league by storm. Now defensive coordinators have a year to watch what the Packers did in the 2020 season. They're like, okay, well, they love to sneak out Tunyon on bootlegs. We better clamp that down. And he was still open. The yards were still there, but Rodgers wasn't getting the ball out on time. It wasn't on target. There was a very similar play with Aaron Jones on a third and seven, about nine minutes left in the first quarter. And Aaron Jones is streaking across the field on a crosser or a drag or, or whatever you want to call it. And the ball came out like a second or two late. And that gave Quan Alexander the chance to catch up and make a great tackle. And it was a great tackle. And I think maybe two out of three times, a good majority of the time, I think Aaron Jones is going to fight through that and get the first down. But if that ball comes out on time, Quan Alexander doesn't even have a chance. Rodgers was a step slow. He was hesitant to hit those routes that were designed to be hit at the moment they're designed to be hit, right? And the Saints tackled really well, which credit to the Saints. They were the opposite of the Packers. Every three or four yard gain turned into five or six for New Orleans. And every play that you hoped to get six or seven yards for the Packers was stopped at three or four because the tackling between the Saints defense and the Packers defense was so much better. There was nothing easy for the Packers yesterday. Nothing extra. And speaking of easy, one play that really jumped out to me that highlighted a huge difference between last year and yesterday for Aaron Rodgers, fourth and three, about the start of the third quarter. Rodgers takes a shot to Tunyon up the right seam, and he gets the P.I. call, so they advance. But meanwhile, Cobb is running this beautiful whip route right in right in front of the, the scramble, right in front of Aaron Rodgers' eyes. He's wide open, right at the marker, doesn't even get a look, which is frustrating for a couple of reasons. Number one, because Rodgers wanted his buddy Cobb back so bad and fought for that, and he didn't even look at him on the most important play of the game to date even though he's wide open and ran a great route. And and that's what Cobb is for, right? Fourth down, I can trust you. You'll get open. Well, you can trust him. He did get open, and you threw off your back foot down the right seam, a pass that didn't have a chance. Luckily, you were bailed out with a pass interference because I think it was Malcolm Jenkins' legs got tangled up with Robert Tunyon. Whatever. The play ended up in resulting in a first down, but it wasn't good process. It wasn't good in practice. Cobb was right there. That was why he wanted Cobb, and he didn't even look at him. And that's something that's more reminiscent of 2018, 2019. Certainly not last year. Ball's not coming out on time. They're not on target. And honestly, I think Aaron Rodgers hijacked the offense a little bit yesterday, right? I'm supposed to believe that Matt LaFleur called that many plays with five wide empty sets with Rodgers in the shotgun. That that ain't going to hold up in court. I'm not believing that only nine carries between Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. Look, You don't need to establish the run to win, but you do need to be able to get replicable, sustainable offense. And the running game is a part of that. This offense can't be 15-yard shot, 15-yard shot, 20-yard shot. In fact, that's the exact thing the Saints defense looked to take away yesterday, and that's what NFL defenses are going to begin doing. They're going to sit in too high, like we saw Fangio and Staley do last year to great success, and they're going to force teams to go down the field six yards at a time. Dinking and dunking and executing and being crisp and being efficient and doing the little things to put together long, sustainable drives. And the Packers, specifically Aaron Rodgers yesterday, just went away from that. He started taking shots. What is this? This isn't what we did in 2020. And it's not the type of offense that allowed the Packers to beat that same type of defense in the divisional round last year. Aaron Rodgers had a comment after the game, and we'll hear from him later. Matt Schneidman highlighted in his piece at The Athletic, I tweeted out a screenshot at Wisco Grant. Rodgers is surprised. Well, they didn't really rush the passer. They sat too high, and they they made us take things underneath. That kind of took us by surprise. Why? The last game that they played, or two games ago, they played at Lambeau, was against the Rams, Brandon Staley, Aaron Donald, and Jalen Ramsey, who ran that exact defense, and they cut it up like surgeons. Six yards here, four yards there, five yards here. Yeah, they hit shot plays here and there, but they were mixed in. They were, He was doing nothing but shot plays yesterday. So I think Aaron Rodgers through audibles or through independent decision-making or whatever, just got out of the plan. And the plan against a defense like that, and most defenses in the NFL this year, you need to execute the little things before you can start taking big shots. And I think all of those things that Aaron Rodgers did yesterday just combined in an offensive mess, a mess that only netted him three points. You notice I haven't really complained about the defense. We're going to talk about Joe Barry's defense at 5.30. I have some things to say about it. And I tweeted yesterday, I'm like, I'm not... Not that upset at the defense. Oh, they gave up thirty eight points. Well, I wonder why the offense is barely on the field for the Packers. and that's mostly due to Aaron Rodgers. I, I the, the typical bastion of support that Aaron Rodgers typically enjoys on all these stations that won't be the case from four to six. He was garbage yesterday, and the team really suffered because of it. And I don't know if it was because he had a weird off season and he wasn't mentally there. and I, I don't I don't know what it was, but we saw so many things yesterday that we hadn't seen since 2018, and we saw a severe lack of good things that helped Aaron Rodgers last year, the season that he won the MVP. 608-796-2558, talking text line. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I'll get to a couple of texts coming up next. I think this game has an amazing comparison. There's a, this game is a carbon copy of a game that happened two years ago, and it's a malafleur issue. It might be an Aaron Rodgers issue, too. I want to talk about that coming up next.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bill's on the Wisconsin Sports Zone
3: radio network man this this position even when you're Aaron Rodgers the position of quarterback is so difficult when you put extra pressure on yourself i mean aaron is aaron has asked for all the pressure all the criticism you could possibly ever ask for and it is so difficult even when you're as, as talented and gifted as aaron There's a lot of pressure on him to succeed. There's a lot of pressure on him to perform. Um, It just goes to show you that even Aaron Rodgers can get rattled. He looked rattled from the jump. I mean, he looked like he was uncomfortable. He couldn't settle in and find his feet. He was harassed all day in the pocket. And that might be a little bit of this offseason catching up to him. There's no doubt in my mind Aaron will bounce back and have a Pro Bowl-type caliber year. No doubt about it, but he looked extremely rattled yesterday.
1: That's Carson Palmer on the Dan Patrick Show this morning i was just watching that clip over the commercial break and i'm not gonna go there but everybody seems to be going there oh it's the off season aaron Rodgers asked for this he put this pressure on himself look i, I don't know something that's been made very clear to me today is that writers and media people that were forced to do this stupid song and dance talking about rogers all summer are now saying hey you know what aaron you made us talk about your stupid vacations this summer. So now you play bad and we're going to crush you for it. And we're going to blame all that stupid crap that you made us talk about this summer. That's the reason why it was bad. Maybe, maybe not. But I think there are media members and writers, especially, that got so sick of covering the story this summer. And now they're completely turning it around. And I don't blame them. I don't know why Aaron Rodgers played so bad this year or yesterday, I should say. But the offseason probably didn't help. Maybe you come to OTAs. I don't know. Maybe be around the team. I don't know. I don't play, I never played professional football, competitive football at any level. So I don't know how that stuff impacts you, but it's got to be brought up. Carson Palmer went there. I've read a lot of pieces, a lot of writers today who went there as well. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I started the show by saying, hey, Aaron Rodgers was bad. Here's why he was bad, here's the things that he did that we didn't see last year that are bad. And here's the things that we saw last year that are good that we didn't see yesterday. So if you missed my opening rant, if you missed my spiel, there's some bullet points, some things that I saw yesterday that need to go and some things that we didn't see that need to start happening right away. Okay. Because it's kind of lazy to just say, Roger sucked. (laughs) I wonder if it's that man bun. (laughs) Like that would be, that would be a bad two hours of radio. 608-796-2558. This text comes in from from, I don't have your name, I don't have your name, I don't have your name, I'm scrolling up, at no point have you given me your name, okay, so this is an anonymous texter, which I can respect, he says maybe Jake Coombrough and Clay Matthews could have helped Rodgers yesterday, maybe, maybe, although Darius Smith did his best Clay Matthews impersonation, which was committing a roughing the passer, which really wasn't a roughing the passer, but it was in a huge moment, and it just frustrated everybody, so Clay Matthews is there in spirit yesterday, Randall Cobb was there, and there was a specific fourth down, where Randall Cobb was right in the right spot, ran a beautiful route, a beautiful route, and I wrote down the name of the route because I wanted to sound smart, but I haven't been able to memorize it, so now I have to scroll up and find it. The route was called a... I still can't find it. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? it? Cobb? A whip route. Yeah, a beautiful whip route. God, wow, was it a good whip route. He's wide open. Instead, he's taking shots down the field, and on this fourth down, they got the pass interference on Tunyon, but that's not where the play was designed to go, and why did you want Cobb back if you're not going to look for him especially on fourth and three. That seems like the moment where you would want to go to Randall Cobb. So Rodgers didn't have Kumaro or Matthews. He did have Cobb. Not that that made a difference. My dad texted and said, my positive for yesterday was that Jordan Love looked pretty good under the circumstances. Tom from Tainer Lake. You should just be Tainer Lake, Tom. I'm going to change your name. Thank you, dad. I did not see much of Jordan Love. I saw a driver too. I switched the big screen to the Chiefs and the Browns. (laughs) And we put the Packers on the little screen because I wanted to watch Chiefs-Browns. And the Packers, I was kind of over them. But Jordan Love did some good things, and then he fumbled, which is kind of the book on Jordan Love. As I mentioned last week with the Brewers, I really like putting sports into categories. I like watching a game and then thinking, oh, that game reminded me of this. Or this play, or this coach, or this player reminded me of of this. I like looking for historical precedent and organizing sports because if you watch sports long enough, these things are cyclical, right? We see uh, different episodes of the same thing. And the matliff Floor Packers make this really, really easy because all of their losses really feel the same minus the NFC Championship game a couple of months ago, although that one felt like the NFC Championship game in 2014, albeit that one was coached by McCarthy. There were still a lot of eerie similarities. Malifleur now is 26-7 and seven in the regular season, 2-2 two and two in the playoffs. I want to look at these seven regular season losses because it's amazing the similarities game to game. There are a few outliers, but not many of the seven. So 2019, they had three losses. There's a 13-3 and three year. That's when the, the PFF boys, I believe it was George Houri, said it's the, the most fraudulent 13-3 team in history. They weren't great, but they won 13 games, so they're technically a 13-3 and three team. Week 4, they lost to the Eagles on Thursday Night Football, 34-27. I remember that game as the Oktoberfest game. That was the Thursday going into fest. This is the outlier Lafleur loss. This loss really didn't bother me. It was a well-fought game. The Eagles were more physical, which was certainly a sign of things to come later against the Niners and in the postseason. There was a tipped ball in the end zone that was intercepted. Devontae Adams got hurt. A, a player two goes differently in that game, and the Packers win. That's kind of the outlier game. The next two losses in that regular season was a loss in L.A. to the Chargers, 27-11. Terrible game from Rodgers. Week 12, they lost in San Fran, 37-8, following a bye week. Also a terrible game from Rodgers. 2020, they also lost three times. Week 6, they lost in Tampa, 38-10. to A terrible game from Rodgers, also following a bye. Week 8, they lost at home to the Vikings, 28-22. to That was the world-famous wind game. And then week 11, they lost to the Colts in OT. There was an MVS fumble. was the final score. Week one, yesterday, they lost to the Saints 38-3, not following a bye, but following an entire offseason. Through regular season losses, all seven of them, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur's margin of defeat is 17.7 points. That's insane, especially given that there's a seven-point loss in here. There's a three-point overtime loss. And there's a six-point loss. And yet, through seven regular season losses, Lafleur's and Rogers' average margin of defeat is 17.7 points. That's nuts. And yesterday was just another example of that trend and how when this team loses with Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers, they, they typically lose in grand fashion. They typically go out with a bang and not with a whimper. Yesterday's game, the way I saw it, and I wrote this down very early on in the game, was about an 80% to 20% split between the 2019 Chargers game, which I referenced, and the 2020 Vikings game. There's a lot of similarities, and I wrote some of these down. And maybe when we look into these similarities, we notice things It's like, oh, if they do this differently, they can avoid this. I, I, don't, I don't know. At the very least, I find it interesting. Chargers. Both the Chargers game and yesterday's game were de facto home games in neutral-ish sites. Because the Chargers were playing in a soccer stadium that was not yet built. They were waiting on their stadium. It was mostly Packers fans. Yesterday, it seemed to be mostly Packers fans in Jacksonville. Odd. Both opposing quarterbacks between the Chargers and the Saints didn't really have to do much. Jameis had 29 completions yesterday, but only had 148 yards. However, five of them were touchdowns. Thank you, Kevin King. Phillip Rivers in 2019 was the inverse of that. He had 21 completions on 294 yards, lots of yards, but no touchdowns at all. The Packers got smoked in time of possession in both the Chargers and the Saints game yesterday. They were beat by nine minutes yesterday, 11 minutes total in that game in L.A. And this is a chicken and egg thing. When you get smoked in time of possession. You typically get smoked on the ground as well. They were outrushed by 128 yards yesterday. 114 in L.A. That is not always a symptom of bad offense. You don't need to establish the run to win. But you do need to have some source of sustainable. Replicable offense. It can't all be shots down the field. So if, not, if it's not coming through the passing game. Which it wasn't. It needs to come through the running game. It also wasn't. So there was no offense anywhere. They didn't lose because they couldn't rush. They lost because they couldn't create any offense that was replicable play-to-play, series-to-series. That was the case in the Chargers game. It was the case yesterday. Also, Rodgers in both of these games seemed to believe that they were feeling themselves too much, which is very weird. This is a quote I found from the Chargers game. Quote, this is a good slice of humble pie for us. We're kind of rolling 7-1 and and starting to listen to the chatter, maybe a bit too much. Okay. And then this was Aaron Rodgers yesterday, um, or last night, much of the same and to be fair to Rodgers he was asked about this he didn't bring this up by himself but yet a theme that we've seen in a few losses the Chargers and yesterday
0: yeah I think so Pete I think think there's probably some of that um we you know probably felt like we're gonna go up and down the field on whoever they had out there and that obviously wasn't the case today I give Dennis Allen a lot of credit I think I've always thought he's a really good defensive mind but they had a good plan um it was to you know play a lot of two show and Trying to uh, slow us down with the front. They did a good job of that.
1: By the way, newsflash to Aaron Rodgers. And he shouldn't need this newsflash. This is what NFL defenses are going to do in 2021. Big time. This is what Fangio's been doing. This is what Staley did for the last two years. And now he's the head coach for the Chargers. He was with the Rams. And this is the system that apparently Joe Barry was just pulled from. We can talk about him at 530. I have some things to say. Although I'm not that upset about the defense. It still needs to be discussed. Right? This is what NFL defenses are doing now. They're going to sit in too high safety coverage. They're going to keep everything in front of them, play no doubles, and they're going to force offenses that have gotten pass-happy and big-play-happy to go four or five yards at a time. Continue to execute, don't have penalties, don't have sacks, and don't turn the ball over. And yesterday, the Packers couldn't do it. And it bothers me that Aaron Rodgers was surprised by that, given that's exactly what the Rams did in the divisional round last year, and the Packers undressed them undress the Rams in the postseason. They saw the same defense yesterday. It's like they were looking at a different language. It's very odd. Compared it a little bit to the Vikings game last year, too, I think there were some similarities. They lost the time of possession battle by such a margin. It's worth mentioning. Last year, Mike Zimmer and Dalvin Cook kind of as a unit said, well, we're just going to play keep away with Aaron Rodgers. The Saints maybe were even better equipped to play a time of possession game yesterday. Huge advantage at both tackle positions. Sean Payton's a technician of a play caller that can get yards four, five, six at a time utilize fourth downs to prolong drives, and the Packers suck against the run, which also shouldn't be a surprise given that they did absolutely nothing for the second offseason in a row to address their run defense. Oh, except a fifth-round defensive lineman and a defensive coordinator who's been a train wreck every stop of his career. Once again, more on the defense in an hour. Let's take a break. I want to take uh, your texts, get your thoughts on this Packer game, and also talk about some other games because there were some fascinating outcomes yesterday, an amazing week one, and I want to talk a little bit about all of it, not just the Packers today. Wisco Sports Show back after this. (laughs)
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
1: Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills. Hope you had a great weekend. We're about to talk a little bit more about the Packers, and I want to work in some of these other games from week one because there were so many good ones. I don't want to get all Packered out. I want to talk football, but work in some other topics as well. Kind of a palate cleanser. Bring in some other teams. They don't get totally worn out complaining about the Packers losing 38-3. to Really quickly, I want to mention, USC has fired Clay Helton, their head coach. So now everybody's saying, oh, Urban Meyer. If Urban Meyer leaves Jacksonville after one week to go work at USC, I'd be so ticked. That'd be so lame. It, you got to stick it out of your urban at least. Like, Even if this was a stepping stone for you, which would be lame. Just please. Give us a season of Urban Meyer in the NFL. I want to watch it. I want to see if he gets better. I want to see how it plays out. And also, leaving Trevor Lawrence in the lurch like that would just suck. So, Urban Meyer, if you're going to go to USC, can you at least wait a year? And also, I started thinking, I wonder, Paul Chris is a pretty good head coach. I wonder if they'll throw a bunch of money at him. And then I started trying to picture Paul Christ living in L.A. Like, what's he going to wear? Cargo shorts? Like, I can't. I can't see that. There's no way Paul Chris, he'd stick out like a sore thumb. You saw Paul Chris on the Santa Monica Pier. You'd be so confused. Like, who is that guy and what is he doing here? Hey, anyone seen the Culvers? <laughs> it doesn't fit. Fit matters in college football. USC can, I, I think, probably spend a little bit more on a bigger name, a flashier name, which is what USC is all about anyways. I think Paul Chris is probably locked in at Wisconsin. Maybe not Urban Meyer, though. Let's go to the phones, 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Good dog. How's it going, buddy? Oh, David and Monona. How are you, my friend? I'm, I'm going great. <laughs> Week one was a blast. I'm glad to have football back, but our, our Packers did not fare so well.
4: God, you just saw like a bundle of joy when you knew it was me. But, hey, uh, <laughs> I understand. I can, I can only imagine how happy you felt Saturday night when the worst manager in Milwaukee history pulls. Corbin Burns. I'm not sure how you... i just want to make sure before, right before I have to blast you. Were you okay with him getting pulled?
1: No, I, I was super bummed. I was really, really bummed. Like everyone else. Ever. Yes, I was Good, I was you, not you, happy. You should have been. Yeah. You, if that game would have been in Milwaukee, Credit Council's cat
4: fight would have been killed like Dan Devine. Yeah. Or he would have got booed. He would have got booed right out of the stadium because these idiots who defend, well, you got to save his arm and his 12, or 12... No. When you got a chance to create history and the only mm-hmm. one man ever... If I'm Corbin Burns, you know he wanted to haul off and drop him like a with a left foot <laughs> because he may never get a chance again. But again, that's what Council does. You know, he, he's not thinking of his players. He just and that's the same oh. thing he's done that, and, and just for that reason only, I hope the Brewer fans get their ass butt kicked because he's going <laughs> he's going to do something stupid in October. So I look forward to uh, all you Brewer fans. But I wonder if he would have done that. I wish somebody would have asked him, and he would have lied and said yes. He would never have done that, at Milwaukee, because they probably would have had to call timeout to pull all the stuff off the field.
1: So you think Council's making it about himself when he pulls a guy oh, like that? That's, oh, absolutely. Okay. No, if you know, if, Saturday night. Come on, you've got
4: a young man here who's about to potentially create history, the Milwaukee Brewers, and he chose to think of himself. I, I, I don't I don't. I can't explain it. He's not thinking of the team. they are 12 games up. That young man had a chance to make history. I don't care. 115 pitches. Hell, you had no one Ryan throw 270 pitches. You know. And Craig Collins is now, I, I. It's unfortunate, hey, but good news, you guys. That you're probably gonna, you're probably gonna um, um, secure the position against Friday against the Cubs.
0: Mm-hmm. That should
4: make all you clowns happy." But I'll leave. I'll leave you this for my Packer take. Just win something first for our fans. It's, it's okay to get to the mountaintop. Or to have that hot blonde, but if you can't finish the deal, like well, if anybody understands, you know Grant does wearing his short pants. But thank you. One last comment for you guys, please. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers deliberately is sabotaging this team. Uh-huh. You mark my words, this is going to be the worst year in Green Bay history. He he is deli- he's deli- I know you guys have been all poo poo. He is deliberately sabotaging this team. He hates Brian. He hates Brian. He hates Mark. You watch. Next Monday night, they'll come out and they'll be all hugs and kisses because they're, they're playing the school for the blind next Monday night. <laughs> yeah. The team won't win 10 games because what did you see yesterday, my friend? Miscommunication on defense. People not knowing where they, they belong. You got deep, you got the same problem, same players as last year They couldn't solve it. And I'll leave you with this. Mm-hmm. you All you pathetic Brewer fans, <laughs> if you can't get open against third and fourth stringers, bye-bye. But Grant, my friend, I look forward to you coming down, man. I got it all set. Come on down and meet you. Oh boy, um, October sixteenth, and maybe I'll I'll wear short pants and we'll dress you know we'll, we'll dress alike. I was gonna
1: say I plan when I'm down in Madison for that game I'm gonna wear the shortest pair of pants that I own just for you, Dave.
4: Yep, and and everyone else is they're gonna take a picture of you and you oh, you be part of the Bobsey Twins and uh, <laughs> and we'll all make fun of you. But uh, and I'm sure your listeners are are ready to kill Dave from home. But guess what? The Packers suck. Aaron Rodgers. Guess what? It, it, it's going to be a long year. For, and I'm a diehard Packer fan. My yeah. I live. I love. My stepdad, he wears his Rogers jersey. He's all, He lives by himself, but he just lives and breathes. And Rogers, and even he knows, Rogers doesn't care. You know, go out and men-
1: more meditation. Smoke another doobie. <laughs> thank you for the takes, Dave. Thank you bye for bye. the call. Bye-bye, hey, Brewer fans. Bye-bye, <laughs> Brewer fans. First of all, thank you, Dave, because we always know where you stand which is what I appreciate you and your calls. The Brewers thing first, I was bummed like everybody else. I, I think it's Ebo and Nelson and Madison, they have this narrative that when council pulls pitchers, I'm just excited about it. I, I was not excited when he pulled Burns. I was super bummed like everybody else. I'm just the one person in the room that's like, okay, well, I see why he did it. Like, I'm not playing. So I'm like, oh, you got to let him go out there. Well, I would have loved that. I was super bummed. Three hitters, he could have pitched a no-hitter. That was super bummed. I was very sad. That didn't make me happy at all. But I do get why he did it. Also, Dave, because you're so masculine and you're about traditional masculinity, I will say, don't you kind of respect council for just having the stones to do the thing that everybody's going to hate? Are you kidding me? Everybody in that dugout hated that decision. Everybody in Milwaukee hated that decision. And council's like, I'm going to do it anyways because I know that it's right. And I'm a good manager. And there is a certain respectability to that. Also, everyone in the dugout didn't seem too upset about it after they win. They were all celebrating big time. I I think they have their eyes on something bigger. And I think Corbin Burns knows this isn't the last time he's going to have a shot to throw a no-hitter. So I, I don't think the Brewers are that upset. They didn't seem upset, so I'm not going to lose too much sleep over it either. It was super bummed. On the Rodgers thing, I I don't buy into the idea that Rodgers is playing bad on purpose to tank this season and to tank the Packers because this isn't the NBA with James Harden. Like, James Harden's going to play for a million more years. He's going to have a million more games. Like, one bad month in Houston is not going to taint his career because he got fat and mailed it in. Football is fleeting. There's only 16 regular season games, and Aaron Rodgers is, what, 36 now? His career is on the back nine, admittedly, a couple of years ago. He's only got so many shots at this left. I do not buy for a second that Aaron Rodgers is going to tank a season. He might hate the Packers, but this reflects on him, too. And I think his legacy is really important to him. I think how he's perceived is really important to him. And I just think doing that would be such a mark on him. I mean, yesterday's game was such a mark on him. If you go read any football writer or listen to any talk today they're all killing him I think mostly because sports media people resent him for forcing them to talk about nothing but his stupid engagement and trip to Hawaii this summer and now everybody's ticked it's like oh you made us talk about uh, your contemplation summer your summer of um enlightenment well you played like dump yesterday and because you'd forced us to talk about your summer of enlightenment your man bun well now we're gonna crush you for it like that is the sense from the general media sphere I don't think Aaron Rodgers is Throwing it. I, it would reflect too poorly on him. I, I can't see that being the case. Just, I don't see it. Twitter at Wisco Grant, the talking text line 608 796 2558. Pat says that caller is high. Council is thinking of the team 100%. Yeah, I, Council's the, that's why he pulled him. He pulled him because he wants Burns healthy in the postseason. And you talk about making a chance at greatness. I agree. A no hitter is something historical, but in the big picture, it pales in comparison to what this team could contend for in a few months. It, it sucks. I wasn't happy about it either. But why do I have to be the voice reason here while everybody else gets mad and blames me? I'm going to create another Twitter account for you to direct your council slander to. Because council doesn't have a Twitter, so it all gets sent my way, which I, I get. But also, like, I don't I don't need this. I'm going to make another account, and you can direct your tweets to that account. 608-796-2558. Back to the phones. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who is this? Hey, Grant. Dan from New Glarus. Dan from New Glarus. Dan, it's nice to hear from you. What's going on? Hey, you know what?
5: Old Davy old boy over there, he can uh, just, he's so off base, it's not even funny. Um, <laughs> you can, I know he's a big cup, Cubby fan, but if you look at the Brewers record in the last five years compared to the Cubs, Brewers are winning hands down, David. Yeah. You can put that in your pipe. You can put that in your <laughs> pipe and smoke it. He's got the World um, Series,
1: though. The Cubs have got the World Series, and you got to recognize that. Yeah, Dave does have a point there. Yeah.
5: I understand that, but I mean, the last—I'll give—I'll give them the World Series, but they've been in the uh, baseball for what a hundred years.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I also the Brewers agree.
5: Brewers have been Brewers been close a couple times, and I think this year is the year. If if, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen this year.
1: Well, and I think Council knows playing, that. That's why he's protecting his pitchers. is He realizes their opportunity. I, I,
5: Grant, I understand that too, but. Yeah. You know, I threw a couple no hitters in high school, Ooh. and you just you don't you don't take them you don't take that pitcher out for a no hitter. Yeah. If if he would if it would have been Milwaukee, he would have been booed so hard it wouldn't have been funny.
1: Yeah, I I don't um, disagree with the you second, there. That would have been a lot more interesting if it was in Milwaukee. I think he still yeah. would have done it, but yeah. I agree.
5: And the second take, is there's no way Aaron Rodgers is throwing the speeds, and even if he and Gutukuns are just putting on a show because he realizes he's only got a few good years left and if the Packers can make a run at Super Bowl, this is probably their best season to do it. But that defensive coordinator, when they got rid of the guy last year, I don't see it. I mean, I really don't see it. That defense is just unbelievable, man.
1: Wait, Dan, so you're telling um, me that you don't see it. The defensive coordinator they hired who went 0-16 and then got fired in Washington and has terrible defenses and was only hired because he was marrying into Rob Marinelli's yeah, just, family? Like, that guy didn't set your world on fire? What are you talking about? <laughs> I just
5: don't see I don't see Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Barry as a good defensive coordinator. I think the Packers' defense will be worse this year than they were last year. And I don't care if you're buddy-buddy with a guy. You want to get your own guys in there. I understand that, but you got you're paying it. You're paying five or six players the kind of money they're paying them. You gotta have you gotta have them guys perform. And if they don't like that system, you know you got a couple players in the secondary. Kane got burnt a couple times. I watched the whole game. Yeah. Um, you gotta have you gotta have your your uh, big money players step up.
1: They didn't yesterday. And if you
5: can't get if you can't get them to play, you're not gonna you're not gonna last in Green Bay
0: very long.
1: Well, he hasn't lasted anywhere else, so I don't know why this time in Green Bay would yeah. be any different. Yeah. Hey, Dan, I appreciate the yeah. phone call, and I love that you've thrown a couple of no-hitters. That's such a casual thing to drop, so I appreciated that as well. <laughs>
5: well, that's that was a long, long time ago. Huh? My arm's <laughs> paying—my rotor, rotor cuff is paying the difference right now. Well, yeah, that. you didn't
1: you didn't have counsel around to protect it. Your arm would probably be great. Your arm would probably be just as strong as you were in your 20s right now if Craig Counsel would have been your, your baseball manager. <laughs>
5: Shoot, we, we, we threw 150 pitches in warm before the game even started.
1: Different time. You also walked to school uphill both ways in the snow, I would imagine, back then, right? <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Right, take it easy. <laughs> yeah, take have, it easy have a good night. Dan and New Glarus. I'm not making fun of you. I, I love that. I wonder, think he was a sinker baller. What do you think Dan was? All gas all the time, Brandon Woodruff, Nolan Ryan style? We can, we can BS about that coming up next couple of more minutes on the Packers. And, Dan, we're going to talk about Joe Barry and the defense at 530 because i got a couple of things to say. I think our frustration with Joe Barry and the defense is warranted, but I think we're misdirecting it. I think we need to specify exactly what the issue was with the defense yesterday and more so on a on – a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a macro scale for the whole season. So we'll talk about that. Quick update from Mike Clements and then more football coming up next. Wisco Sports Show.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills, Now, here's Mike Clemens.
3: The Packers got clobbered 38-3 by the Saints here in Jacksonville. Green Bay fell behind 17-0 before the first half. Matt Lafleur Can't do that against a well-coached and quality football team. Our guys are going to have to take a long, hard look in the mirror. It starts with myself. Obviously,
6: didn't get these guys ready to play ball. And that's what happens when you go out there and play like that against a
3: good football team. The Saints were in a cover-two defense to shut down the Packers' passing attack. So what's the solution? Aaron Rodgers. Uh, You got to be able to run the ball. You know, we didn't run it that
0: effectively. Uh, I think we came in thinking they're going to pressure us a bunch like they did last time. But last time, you know, we had uh, Allen, MVS, and Swerve. And this time, you know, we had
3: some different uh, skill guys, obviously Devontae being back. So they really didn't pressure us a whole lot. Running back Aaron Jones held at just nine yards on five carries. In the NFL, each team has a game like this a year. Um, So I just, I think it's best to get out early and Um, You know, it's a long year, 16 more games, so it's better to get it out now. The Saints dominated the game in every category. Head coach Sean Payton. Time of possession, rushing yards, all all the numbers we talk about when you look at the call sheet at the end of the game. And all three units were really good. I'm sure when we watch the tape, there'll be a bunch of things that we have to get cleaned up. But I I was proud of how they played. I thought we were physical and uh, played with a lot of energy.
2: Best Packers coverage.
1: Plus reporting for Mike Clemens. Follow him on Twitter at Mike Clemens NFL. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills and Sean Payton was not wrong. Saints were more physical. They tackled better. They were more crisp. Executed better. The Saints were crisp and the Packers were gooey. The Packers defense, man, you you get a three-yard run against that and they'll turn it into a six-yard run. There's just nothing is ever sticky about the Packers defense. Ever. Especially in coverage. Full breakdown and rant about Joe Barry and his defense coming up at 5.30. Although I tweeted yesterday, and I still feel this way. Of all the things that upset me yesterday, I wasn't upset. I'm really not upset. Now, we have more football on tonight. How could you be in a bad mood? Sure, the Packers are 0-1. Okay. If they're 0-3, then we can freak out. But I'm not going to freak out now. That'd Be counterproductive. Of all the things that I'm upset about, quote-unquote upset, the defense is near the bottom of the list, but it's still something we definitely have to talk about. That's at 5.30. Vikings and Bears lost as well yesterday, and the Lions did. That might have been the most entertaining game of the three, although the, ba- the Bengals-Vikings game was awesome. Vikings fans, Bears fans, just to kind of throw you a bone, my two cents before we break for Zach Heilprin's update at 5 o'clock. Vikings game yesterday, not to be a broken record here, isn't that another indictment on Zimmer and Kubiak? It's like they were trying to get into third and longs. Also, K.J. Osborne had the same amount of targets as Justin Jefferson yesterday. How is that okay? And I get the offensive line is bad, but if the offensive line is bad, then stop setting up Kirk to find every time he's in third and eight needing to drop back to pass. That's the exact type of situation you want to avoid. I don't know. And Kirk makes a lot of money. Quarterbacks have a big influence on pressure. Carson Wentz is great example. You notice how the Colts' offensive line looked terrible yesterday? Hmm. I wonder what changed. Did their offensive line go from really good to really bad over the offseason, or did the quarterback change? Quarterback has a huge role in that. Also, the Bears really quickly. That game was a bummer. That was really sad. Because I was really excited to see, hopefully, a game where Matt Stafford was like pressured and competitive, but yet he was on a better team, because I don't think Matt Stafford and, and the Rams is going to be as good as everyone thinks. I don't think he's going to be an MVP candidate or anything like that. But we didn't really get to see that tested. Average depth of target for Andy Dalton was four and a half yards. That ain't going to cut it. I don't know if Justin Fields is going to be a huge upgrade. I'd like to think that if he was, they'd play him. But whatever. That wasn't going to get it done. Rams repeatable and we didn't get anything. More Packers versus Zach Heilprin with an update. Kind of an intimate program, really, when you think about it. It's a source of intimacy for couples. Uh, Maybe if you and your significant other, maybe you're just not connecting right now, we'll throw the show on in the background. Join it together. This is where Wisconsin gathers to
2: talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills.
1: The Packers lost by 35 points yesterday. I went 0-3 in my fantasy leagues, which, this is the hill I'm going to die in for now. Not an indictment on my teams, just bad luck. A lot of combinations of factors that led to that. I don't think I'm garbage in fantasy, although, <laughs> check back in four weeks, maybe I am. Everything went south yesterday for me and I think for Wisconsin sports fans, at least with the Packers. The Brewers crushed it again. And yet I'm sensing that everyone's in a chipper mood today. Maybe I'm the only one or maybe maybe my aura is just extending out to everyone. Everyone I talked to has been in a good mood. I'm not upset. I think this game is really interesting. I think it's rich and compelling and I think it's full of lots of good examples on why Aaron Rodgers, at least in that game, is very different than last year. It's very clear. These are the things he didn't do that he needs to do. These uh, these are traits from 2018 that we saw yesterday, and then these are the things from 2020 that we didn't see yesterday, right? Sins of omission, sins of commission. We can break all of this down. This game is at least interesting, right? I don't know that I can say that about the Bears game, not to make this a Packers versus a Bears thing. The Bears just, I, I don't know, last night. That was a bummer. I got to think that Andy Dalton isn't quite ready if they're not Not Andy Dalton, but Justin Fields isn't quite ready if they're not running him out there yet. But man, I I guess I rather would have seen Justin Fields fail than Andy Dalton. Just do Andy Dalton things. His average depth of the target was four and a half yards. That ain't going to cut it in LA against that team. Eh, No. So that was a bummer last night. I'm going to talk about Joe Barry's defense coming up at 530. I would have done this at 430, but here's the thing, a little secret. I only have so many good takes and I got to space them out to make sure we don't do them all at once. And then the second half of the show is just me talking out my butt. Joe Barry and the Packers defense coming up at 530. We'll hear a little bit from Aaron Rodgers coming up in about 15 minutes. He's the main story from yesterday. And that's what I want to get back into right now. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. A couple of texts. I'm sorry that I'm just getting to these now. Danny Nuglaris, who called in earlier and wanted to talk about Corbin Burns, as did David Monona go figure. And Dan just casually dropped the fact that, well, I threw a couple no-hitters in high school, so I would know. And I was like, whoa. He didn't say, oh, I played varsity football. He's No-hitters we're talking about here. No-hitters from Dan. No perfect games, though? No-hitters? Okay. Well, Dan was, he was a little looser with his location. He'd walk a guy, but God forbid somebody puts hard contact. I mean, he texted back in and gave us a little report. He said, Grant, I pitched two-seam fastball, four-seam fastball, circle changeup, curveball, and slider. Oh, so you had multiple pitches. All right, I got gotcha. you. Uh, circle change through it with different finger pressures to move it right or left. Well, we have our own pitching analyst on the show. Thank you, Dan, for the text. Mad Mike says the Rams were not beatable yesterday. No way. I absolutely think they were. Absolutely. Absolutely. You take out two of those busted coverages, those deep shots. The game's a lot closer. You take out that red zone interception from Andy Dalton that had no prayer. It's not like that was on the way to being caught and it was a great defender just made a play. No, 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 You change two or three plays about that game. The Bears were right there. They were right there. And I know you look at the final score, that seems weird. The Rams were beatable. The Bears just didn't really do anything with any oomph. They just kind of laid down and were like, well, we're here. We're going to do our thing. It's not going to be good enough, but I, I, don't, I don't know. And I, I've been someone who's been a little bit e- like easier on the Justin Fields thing. Like I don't think he needs to play. It's so annoying to hear analysts like, I swear to God, if Justin Fields doesn't play next week, what? What, what are you going to do? you to yell on your radio show. You're going to write a mean article about Matt Nagy. Like, if he's ready, I'd assume they'd play him a little bit more. They're working him in slowly for one reason or another. Either Matt Nagy is a total bozo, and I don't think there are many total bozos that are coaches in the NFL, or they know something about Justin Fields and they have a plan. Whatever. Let's take a breath. And, Mad Mike, if you think the Rams weren't beatable last night, which I disagree with, then what's the point of playing Justin Fields anyways? You know what I'm saying? I think the Rams were beatable. Mitch and Madison says this is the last dance to straight-to-video version. Yeah, the last dance so far is like Elaine dancing in Seinfeld, where everyone's kind of like, what the hell? And I think George describes it as a full-body dry heave. <laughs> that's the last dance so far. That That's that's the dance. Nothing of the ilk of Michael Jordan and Pippin and whatever was going on in the 90s with uh, with the Bulls. Six zero eight seven nine six two five five eight. Coach Wench says that's a lot of uh, ifs for the Bears. Eh, I mean, not really. I mean, don't blow two huge coverages, right? Don't give them easy points. Like, even if you if you make Stafford make an amazing throw, that's one thing. But they just basically handed him two deep bombs. Andy Dalton, don't make a boneheaded throw in the end zone. That's not a huge what if. It is a what if. I agree. But if two or three plays go differently, that game is really close. So. Obviously, the Rams won going away, but my point is, it's not like the Rams were superhuman last night. There were moments in that game where the Bears had opportunities, just like with the Packers, honestly, and we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. First, Jeff and Lacrosse, our resident Bears fan. Timely, Jeff, to chime in on your uh, your team. How are you doing today? Well,
6: I'm doing all right. Actually,
1: what, what uh, you, if you watch the Packers and the
6: Bears game, um, the bears could have done something really smart and just keep running the ball. Initially yes. they had a nice kickoff return. They had a long run and then they started throwing passes. I think honestly, it's like a friend of mine said, if Nagy stops calling plays, the bears might do better. What they did. Remember when they switched to laser last year yeah. to call plays and they got on a little roll, they ran the ball. And they can run. They have a good running back that nobody really knows about. You saw him last night. He was doing well, but they stopped it. And it was just like watching. And I'm not going to rub it in because we both were terrible yesterday, as Bear fans or Packer fans. But they ran the ball, and you wouldn't stop it, so they kept running it. And they'd get five, and then six, and then six, and you know, yeah, chunks, little chunks. And the Bears could have done the same thing. That, that interception wasn't really um, Dalton's fault. It got deflected. But in, he's not going to beat them up and down the field like
1: Stafford is.
6: Stafford's a darn good quarterback. I give him a lot of credit.
1: Yeah. Stafford made some throws last night. There were also moments when he's backed up in his own end zone and in the red zone where it's like, well... You know, there were, there were some moments where Matt Stafford didn't make great throws. He didn't have to do a whole lot last night because the Bears gifted him two big touchdowns on busted coverages. Right. Stafford is not superhuman. Right. Stafford is very good, but Stafford is not superhuman. He's very beatable. And we've seen instances of that in Detroit, too. And I think that's going to be the case in L.A. I just, I mean, where do you buy more dynamic plays for Chicago? Can they get more dynamic with Andy Dalton? Is there a way to create big, flashy plays? Because I like David Montgomery. I like Robinson. I even like Cole Komet, this Khalil Herbert, the returner you mentioned, they should find a way to work him in, too, because he seems like he could create big plays. I just don't know how the Bears take it to the next gear. They just didn't seem last night like they had a chance because, you know, Andy Dalton's throwing dump downs, and that's all they were really capable of. I don't know if it means they got to go to Fields or what.
6: Right. I think what they did, though, is they put Fields in. They saw what Fields can do. And if you had listened, I listened to sports talk early in the morning, and I can't even repeat some of the things they were oh, yeah. saying, except that they, they can't stand Dalton could have thrown four touchdowns and somebody would have found something wrong with him last night. Yeah, it's, he's, he's not the flavor of the month there. They want field. I don't want to throw fields to the wolves and, and win three games this year, either, if he's not ready. And maybe he's not ready, maybe intellectually. It's, it's a lot to learn to run an NFL offense. People know that. And, and I and yeah. Nagy is stubborn. Yeah.
1: Well, I think I think Nagy. Stu- I, I think most head coaches are stubborn. I think that's a trait of coaches. You know, you figure out your offense, your way of doing things. And you don't necessarily want to deviate from it. And I like I get it as a coach. If all these writers are telling me how I'm supposed to do my job, like I, I get it. Why might maybe you'd want to push back? Like, well, wait a minute. I'm the football coach here. You don't tell me what I should do. You don't know anything. You sit by your laptop in the press box. Like I, I do get it. I just wonder. There must be something about Justin Fields where he's not fully ready yet, or the Bears don't think he's fully ready. Because I think it's absurd the idea that Fields is a Super Bowl quarterback that they're just stashing for now. Like I, I don't know. I don't, I don't I buy don't, into that.
6: I don't think it is. I think it's just learning. Um, Nagy says it takes three to four years to learn his offense, and I think I still think he's shoving a square peg in a round hole, like yeah. he did with Trubisky a little bit, and you know, if he keeps showing flashes that his fields does, they're going to have to play him or where he's, you know, the, the, the roars are going to become deafening. They're playing, they're playing Cincinnati this week. I don't, if you look at their Bears' schedule, nothing's a gimme right now. They 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 have a tough
1: schedule. They do. They do and, the Packers. Since Cincinnati looked plucky yesterday, they had energy. They were tackling. Yeah. They were physical. Same with Detroit, who the Packers have next week. I don't. I don't know that that's a gimme. The Packers should win. They're at home, but man, after yesterday, I'm at least I'm at least a little worried. I don't know.
6: Yeah, and maybe. And I I is I I said this to Dave. I called in to Dave this morning, and I said. Could this be karma from all the stuff Rogers pulled
1: Mm. and
6: never really, you know, karma gets you sometimes.
1: Oh, I agree. And I, the one thing before I let you go, Jeff, I I agree when Matt Nagy says, well, it takes three to five years to learn my offense. Well, then you got to speed it up like that. If I'm an owner and a coach tells me that or a GM, I'm like, well, no, that's not acceptable. Like we can't take three or five years to work a quarterback in. That's just not going to work. That can't be the way that it goes.
6: And, and this is not Kansas City and this is not Philadelphia. This is Chicago. And, you know, he's trying to do what he did with with Mahomes didn't play. Mahomes started the last game of his rookie year. Otherwise, he didn't start at all. So, yeah. but Smith had a good year. I don't think Dalton is Smith,
1: though, unfortunately. Well, and I don't think Dalton is Smith, and I don't think Fields is Mahomes, but there's certainly I think a better way to hopefully expedite the process because they got to get some explosive offense from somewhere. And Montgomery was great. I like Allen Robinson. I like Komet. I even like Goodwin. Like I like Mooney. I like their weapons, but they need to accelerate this process and create some explosive offense in some way, and maybe at some point that's, that's more Justin Fields. Whether or not he's ready or not, that might be the route they have to go. Thanks, Jeff. i got to get back to the Packers because I'm pretty sure people want to complain about that today too.
6: <laughs> okay,
1: well, thank you so much. You have a good week. Yeah, you as well, Jeff. Thanks for the call. That's Jeff from LaCrosse, one of our resident Bears listeners. Jeff mentioned something about the running game. David Montgomery last night, 16 carries for 108 yards. He had a big bomb to start. I love David Montgomery. I think he's a perfect combination of all the traits you would want in running back. Good pass catcher. He's physical. He bounces off guys, but he's also really fast. Like, he he does everything really well. There's not a glaring weakness. He's not a specialist. Right now, he's, maybe he's not as big as Dalvin Cook, but he's fast like Dalvin Cook. He's quick like Aaron Jones. He catches passes, and he's physical, man. Like, he... He pops off, guys. I, I think it was Sebastian Joseph Day had him wrapped up in the backfield, and he just, he just sprung loose and kept going. I really like David Montgomery, and Jeff talked about running the ball, right, and, and getting chunk plays. You keep coming back to it, and you rattle off chunks four, five, six yards at a time, and that's how you make your way down the field. And I think that's very applicable to the Packers yesterday and Aaron Rodgers. The Packers didn't necessarily have to run the ball on every play yesterday. It's not about establishing the run. But, like the Bears established getting chunk plays with David Montgomery, the Packers weren't getting chunk plays doing anything. There was no replicable, sustainable offense where you go bing, bang, boom, bing, bang, boom. There was none of that, right? There was no four-yard gains, five-yard gain, six-yard gain. And the way that NFL defenses are going to play, and I've referenced this a couple of times, and I don't mean to be obnoxious, but Fangio and Staley last year and really the year before are two of the front-running minds defensively in the NFL right now Because they've decided that the best way to slow down modern offenses in an era of offense in the NFL is to pull my safeties way back. We're going to keep everything in front of us. We're going to play no doubles. And we're going to force these quarterbacks and players who have been conditioned to take deep shots and to go for it all. And offense, 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 offense. We're going to force these guys to go low and slow and put long drives together with lots of plays. And pick up yards four or five yards at a time. Because we're not going to give them the big plays. We're not going to give them the freebies, which the Bears did a couple of times last night. But that's what the Rams do. That's what the Saints were doing yesterday, too. And Rodgers even mentioned in his presser, they didn't really rush the passer. They just kind of sat back and they forced us to dink and dunk. The Packers couldn't dink and dunk. That's what it comes down to. Aaron Rodgers, the style that he was playing yesterday, we talk about the things that he was doing. Lots of completely uncatchable balls, which is really inefficient because you're losing downs. If you throw one way over a receiver's head out of bounds, well, now it's second and 10. That was a wasted play even on manageable third downs, third and five, third and six. Why are we taking shots 20 yards down the field? That's inefficient. And even if it works once or twice, it's not a winning recipe over the course of four quarters against a really plucky defense. Saints can rush the passer. They got dudes up front, and Lattimore was tremendous yesterday against Devontae Adams. There was no replicable offense because the throwaways and the off-target throws from Rodgers were really inefficient, and they couldn't string together long drives. The interceptions came at the worst time. One which completely screwed them in field position because Rodgers threw it out of his own end zone. And the other interception was in the red zone, which took a score off the play or a score off the board for the Packers, right? Also, it's a really bad sign with Aaron Rodgers when he starts looking around for pass interferences. That's how you know you're screwed. And we saw a lot of that yesterday. No replicable offense. No repeatable plays like we saw in 2020. We were talking about the bootlegs to Robert Tunyon. The bootlegs weren't wide open yesterday like they were in 2020. That was just a cheat code for the Packers, and a big reason why Lafleur's offense busted out, and a player like Tunyon busted out, and Rodgers busted out with an MVP. Those bootlegs to Tanyan on the perimeter, or over and over and over again, just a free five or six yards at the very least, that wasn't wide open yesterday, but it was still open, and Rodgers was hesitant to throw the ball out there, and if he did throw the ball out there, it was late. And at that point, you're pinning your wide receiver against the sideline, and they're easier to tackle. There was a play to Aaron Jones on third and seven. Nine minutes left in the first quarter. Jones is streaking across with a linebacker covering him. And he's got a lead. And if Rodgers puts the ball on time and on target, Jones catches that in stride and takes it past the marker. But instead, Rodgers waited. And by the time the ball got out there, Kwon Alexander had a chance to catch up, and he made a really good tackle. There were no easy plays, no replicable plays, no schemed plays, really. It was never scheduled. It was never efficient. And even though they hit a bomb to Devontae Adams before halftime, and they were taking shots, and they got a pass interference here and there. That, that check doesn't cash over and over and over and over again. You need some meat and potatoes to your offense. Like Jeff mentioned last night, it was Montgomery for the Bears. He was a source of offense. Now, it wasn't enough because the Rams were creating big plays, and the Bears really couldn't. But they were at least getting the bread and the butter, right? Those little chunk plays. The Bears just didn't have a way of creating big plays like the Rams. The Packers were trying for the big plays. They weren't coming, and they also didn't have the bread and butter plays. That's how you get beat thirty-eight to three or whatever it was thirty eight to three, right? Not thirty-five. I have that score right. I've been known to get a score wrong from time to time on the show. It's my bad. Thirty-eight to three. That's how you get that score. Is you sit back and you try to take shots. The shots aren't hitting, and then you can't go underneath as well. So what's really working? Oh, nothing. That's why you only scored three points. I was thinking Rogers was hijacking a little bit yesterday. He was calling audibles, he was spreading everyone out. They were running four or five wide receiver sets. That's not this team. That's not what made this offense hum last year and it's not the offense that took advantage of a really good defense same scheme they saw yesterday against the rams with staley the coordinator before he went to la to get a head coaching job he ran the same defense last year in the division around at lambeau and the packers marched up and down the field on that defense because they hit little shots efficient plays here and there to get five six yards at a time and they did hit a couple of shots there would have been a big one to mvs it was dropped they hit that big bomb to lazard but you don't get those shots. You don't get those huge plays without doing the little things. And the Packers didn't do the little things at all yesterday. That's squarely on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers, who just wasn't on time. He wasn't sharp. And he wasn't taking what the defense was giving him, which was all underneath stuff, stuff that he feasted on in 2020. Let's hear a little bit from Aaron Rodgers coming up next. And then we'll talk about Joe Barry at 530.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Zone Radio Network.
1: go sports show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had an excellent weekend. Badgers won. Forgot to even mention that shoot. They beat Eastern Kentucky, Missouri, Eastern Michigan by a final score of a large number to a small number. I watched the Brewers instead cuz Corbin Burns had a no-hitter cooking. They pitched goodbye no-hitter. Not the same. And just so we're clear, no, I was not happy and excited when Corbin Burns got pulled from that game. I wasn't shocked. I was sad. Okay, well, why am I? No, I don't get my rocks off to Craig Council pulling pitchers off the mound. Yeah, that's what gets me going. Arr. Although I'm pretty sure that's what Ebo is going to ask me tomorrow morning. I'll be on the zone at 740. I'm sure they will focus on that. God forbid we should talk about the Packer game or anything else other than management decisions, because I guess that's the guy I've become on the zone. Great, Ebo, that's nice. That's, that's good stuff. Thank you for that. Repair my reputation every day from four to six. 608-796-2558 is the talk and text line. Surveyor Sam, who is in Vegas? That's, that's right. You were in Vegas this weekend. He said, thank God for Wisconsin covering. Otherwise, I would have lost my butt. They did. They got the cover at the end. That's right. I remember checking that. Just want to say on the Packers, Rogers has to take a lot of blame for this horrendous loss. I believe it was more of a mentality that was instilled in the vets. If you say you don't need preseason, that trickles down to the rest of the vets on your team, and it has showed. Surveyor Sam. An apt observation and one that, why don't we get into it right now? Because I have a couple of nuggets from Aaron Rodgers. One of which, he didn't play in the preseason. Could that have been a factor. Surveyor Sam, you put it on the tee, so let's go. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's different uh, different ways of doing it. I feel like we uh, haven't have played in the preseason in a while and, and started decently the last couple of years.
1: I, first of all, that's very brief. I was hoping that he'd give us something more. Jeez, I should really listen to these before the show. But then it's not, it's not genuine. Then I'm not reacting to it in real time. I tweeted about this yesterday. I I was surprised that everyone made the preseason a thing again. Because there was no preseason last year. So we didn't get to have the normal debate of, should they play? Should they not play? Wow, if they get off to a slow start, does that mean the preseason is important? I, I don't know. Do we, can we not do this, please? Of all the things that we could talk about, can the utility of the preseason not be one? Right? The Chiefs didn't play their guys in the preseason, or they did play their guys in the preseason, and they messed around with the Browns for a good portion of that game. The Browns are really good, but the Chiefs didn't appear their sharpest selves right away at the beginning. I just, I don't know. The whole preseason debate, I think, is one that will be never-ending, and I don't think we'll ever be smarter or dumber for it. I don't think it gets us anywhere. So I would just prefer to talk about other things. If you think they should play in the preseason, great. I don't really know how I feel. I'd rather have all my guys healthy. It's a 17-game season. If you start slow, okay, so be it. You can get hot after the bye week. Well, after they lose after the bye week, because God forbid the Packers and Matt Lafleur should ever follow a bye with a win. I I don't think risking your star player's health is necessarily even worth a game or two, especially in a division as bad as this one. Everyone started with a loss yesterday in the NFC North. Rodgers asked, have you been reading too many press clippings about how you're a Super Bowl team?
0: Yeah, I think so, I think there's probably some of that. Um, we, you know, probably felt like we were going to go up and down the field on wherever they had out there, and that obviously wasn't the case today. I give Dennis Allen a lot of credit. I think I've always thought he's a really good defensive mind, but they had a good plan. Um, it was to, you know, play a lot of two show and try and uh, slow us down with the front. They did a good job at that.
1: Okay, so first of all, on the defensive front, that would be like, that would be like being pulled over for running a red light, and the cop is like, well, "What's going on back there?" And he's like, "Well, stoplight had a." Had a hell of a plan. You see that? It just turn red right before it turned yellow, and then it turned red. off. So what am I supposed to do? Rogers. Every defense is going to be doing this this year. This is the trend that's been swelling, swelling, swelling. This year, it's finally going to explode. It used to just be the sharps. It was Staley and Fangio. Everyone's going to be running two high safeties, and they're going to force offenses to dink and dunk. Because for a decade, this has been a league of big plays and offense and scoring. And now defenses are like, "Oh, okay. Well, you want to score? Well, you're going to have to do it five yards at a time, four yards at a time." Because we're going to take away the big plays. Deal with that. And that's the defense the Packers slaughtered in the division around last year, the Rams. I don't get why he's surprised by that. Like, that's not surprising. They should have expected that. Whatever. Reading the press clippings, I'm going to ask you a question about your professional life, your work life. Maybe this is something you've experienced at times, not saying at this job, but at at jobs in general, where you as an employee, you do something. You make a decision. You you accomplish a task. And then your boss talks to you after the fact. And is like, well, why did you do that? You're like, I don't know, I thought it's well, I thought that was best. And then your boss is like, well, actually, I would have liked you to do it this way. And then you're left thinking, well, why didn't you tell me that before I, I did it? Let's say you you work on a big project, a presentation, and you're like, oh, this is great, I can't wait. And then you show it to your boss, and your boss is like, well, actually, I wanted you to do this. And then you're like, well, what the hell? Why didn't you say that before I put all this time and work? Have you ever experienced this at work? I feel like this is a pretty common uh, a common experience. This is how I feel anytime the press clippings feeling ourselves thing comes up. Because I I went back and I found quotes from the Chargers game a couple of years ago, too. And that's when Aaron Rodgers said, this was a good piece of humble pie. Why does it always have to be retroactive? Why does it always after the fact that Rodgers and company apparently realizes, oh, I think we were feeling ourselves too much? Like, oh, God, I hate Tom Brady more than anyone on this planet. But Tom Brady would not let it get to this point, where he's like, yeah, everyone was way too high in themselves. Well, Tom Brady probably would have yelled at someone in the locker room if he thought that was going on. If Rodgers or whoever is the vocal leader in the locker room, because I know you lead in lots of different ways. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, it's not the rah-rah guy. Whatever. What kind of leaders are in the locker room? That's something they need to have a feel for. It's like, look, we're a great team, guys. I'm excited to be here too, but I don't... Talking loose in the locker room. Why is no Why is no one responsible for that? Does Mercedes Lewis got to shove someone against the locker. Like I don't get it. Why is it always retroactive after the bad loss where it's like, man, I think we were too high on ourselves. You think? Why don't we recognize that beforehand? Ugh, it's frustrating. That being said, it sounds good in a press conference. Press conferences are mostly meaningless anyways, right? Rodgers is just up there to say the right thing and saying that we were too high on ourselves. Okay, well, that plays. So I get it, but it seems like something that maybe could be dealt with before the bad blowout loss rather than after. Uh, Rodgers asked about how Matt LaFleur said the game was embarrassing. Rodgers, what say you?
0: I mean, I'll let him use those words and I'll use... uh... It's just one game. You know, we played bad. I played bad. Offensively, we didn't execute very well. Uh, one game, we got 16 to go.
1: You could tell that he was reaching for a big word there, and none came. And I get it. I, I talk for two hours a day. Sometimes I'm reaching for a word that never comes. But he's like, well, I'll let him use this word, and I'll use um, 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 um. just one game. I mean, I'm, I'll let
0: him use those words, and I'll use... Uh, it's just one game.
1: You can tell he was reaching. He was going for it. He was going to pull something. I think Aaron Andrews, in that interview on Fox, uh, before the game, asked him about the offseason. This wasn't an offseason of distraction. What well, was it? Wasn't. He said, contemplation. Oh. I think he was going for a big word there. and just Nothing came. Once again, I, I tried to find a, a word on Google for like 10 minutes today because I was writing out the show. I was looking for the specific word. I couldn't find it. I still couldn't find it. It's going to be in our defensive conversation about Joe Barry. We're going to have in a few minutes, but I... I'm not mocking Aaron Rodgers. I can just tell that in his brain, that's what uh, was going on. Uh, final thing we should hear from. Rodgers asked, when your defense can't get off the field, does it add pressure when the offense goes back out there? Yeah,
0: there might be a little pressing there uh, when you're sitting on the sidelines for so many minutes. But that had a nice two-minute drive. Tay obviously made a big catch there to get us uh, in the field goal range. You know, the first drive, of the second half was a good drive. We uh, converted.
1: Uh, and then what happened? Yeah, you know, some good plays. Big what happened got a though? Nice
0: uh, explosive uh, catch and run. And then, uh, yeah, obviously the pick changed the entire. Oh, game.
1: the pick. That language is interesting to me. Now we're nitpicking, but what else are we doing? It's a sports talk show. The pick, not my pick, not my the. Oh, okay. Interesting. That was that killed him. That killed him because the defense is what we're going to talk about next. The defense got to stop to start the second half. So if the Packers would have scored on that drive, then they would have been down seven, and then the defense would have given them the ball right back. The Packers could have had the ball in the middle of the third quarter down seven, driving to tie. This game was not out of reach. The defense didn't let this game run loose and wild until really late in the third and in the fourth. And by that time, even if an offense starts slow, that's enough time to play your way back into it. The Packers couldn't do it. That interception was a huge reason why. The interception, not Rodgers' interception, the interception. I sound like a boomer. I need to stop. Let's take a break. Joe Barry and his defense. Let's have that conversation next.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yeah.
1: Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter is blowing up about Clay Helton being fired from USC. And Colin Cowherd, who just loves him USC football, is talking about candidates. Sark, Texas, Kiffin, Urban Meyer, James Franklin, and how they have significant buyouts. They're probably not options. I, I know Paul Chris is never going to be a candidate that they consider probably for USC. I guess I can't say that with certainty, but I would just imagine that they're going to aim higher. And I love Paul Chris. I'm just dying at the idea of trying to envision Paul Chris living in LA. I can't. There's no way. <laughs> like, what... What would he change about himself to fit the aesthetic of L.A.? Not that I know that much about L.A., but I I feel like Los Angeles Paul Crist is essentially Jimmy Buffett. Like, it's cargo shorts and a Hawaiian shirt. Like, that's as cool, I think, as he could look. And I mean that in the most endearing way possible, because I love Paul Crist. And he fits Wisconsin perfectly. I don't think you could pick up Paul Crist, put him at USC. I don't think that that aesthetic would be... (laughs) I'm having a blast just thinking about it to myself actually kind of weird let's talk more Packers 608-796-2558 is the talking text line send me a text tweet me at Wisco Grant we're about to get into the defense and the defense was a big part of the discourse I saw on Twitter yesterday and Packers fans oh angry about the defense I tweeted yesterday I'm not really that mad about the defense they gave up 38 I realized that and if the Packers had lost 38 to 35 then maybe today's show would be different but like if my aunt had balls, she'd be my uncle. So that's not the show we're doing. I think context is really important. Giving up 38 and losing by 35 is one thing. Giving up 38 and losing on the buzzer, uh, on a field goal, on a walkout field goal in overtime, that's a little different. I hyped up this analogy on Twitter today. Think of it as World War One. okay? Let's think of yesterday's game as World War One, the Great War, and its causes, of which there are many. Many causes led to World War One. You learned this in school, right? And I researched it today. Just to make sure I have these right: nationalism, the big factor in Europe; militarization, everyone's beefing up their navy. Right? He's got to have the best ships, the biggest guns, all that, right? Imperialism, shout out United States, the Philippines. Love to forget about that. Loved <laughs> that historical gem, right? And of course, the crown jewel of the causes of World War One. Everyone's favorite: the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, right? Joe Barry's defense may not be any good, and Joe Barry might be a bozo. I don't know him, okay? But to lose a game by 35 points, there needs to be more than one factor at play. Just like to have the biggest war on the scale of planet Earth, you need something greater than nationalism. Like, if everybody was just really nationalistic, everyone would just be crabby and racist and angry, and they would probably keep to themselves, and it would probably go no farther than that. Rogers playing like a pumpkin yesterday is essentially equivalent to the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. I see it. I think it's clear as day, right? You had all these factors playing into it. Joe Barry's defense was bad. And then the, they had some bad turnover luck. They were horrible on third down. They had all these components that all came to one. They lost time of possession. And then Rogers playing like dump just basically came and lit it all on fire, which is essentially what happened when Archduke Franz Ferdinand, which is really just fun to say, which is really why I'm doing this analogy, right? that's really what lit everything on fire and started World War. By the way, the French and Indian War also had many causes, and that would have worked as a comp as well. Maybe we'll do the French and Indian War uh, next time. Also known as the Seven Years... There's another name for the French and Indian War, right? That does sound like a bozo here, but that's not the War of 1812. They're very... Di- well, now I need to look it up. I'm gonna, It's going to bother me. French and Indian War. French and Indian War french and indian war i think there's a there's another name for it. it's like the seven years war or something it's not actually between the french and the indians i don't think if i remember correctly i did the world war one research today i didn't uh ah the seven years war yes little history lesson today look get back to joe barry joe barry probably isn't any good he was terrible in detroit he was terrible in washington he was only hired by the Lions because he married Rob Marinelli's daughter and his dad was the offensive line coach, which led to Rob Parker hilariously asking in a press conference to Rob Marinelli if he wished his daughter had married a defensive, a better defensive coordinator, which is amazing. Might it have borderlined on personal and maybe out of bounds? Sure. But God, that's funny. That's, so, that's what sports journalism needs. We all need to lighten up a little bit. I saw a tweet yesterday that Rob Demosky was yelling at people in the press box in Jacksonville for cheering (laughs) yesterday. You get it. Don't cheer in the press box. But also, is that something we need to yell about? Let's all take a deep breath. Okay? Journalists, analysts, can we all take a deep breath? Rob Parker asking Rob Marinelli whether he wished his daughter had married a better defensive coordinator is probably the funniest thing in the world. What he should have asked him is, hey, Rob, I know your daughter married this guy, but if he sucks at coaching defense, did you really need to hire him? maybe put him in the mail room in Detroit? Is there not somewhere else we could have stuck this guy? Didn't put him responsible for the entire defense? I don't know. Joe Barry is your classic case of nepotism. Uh, Paul Noonan wrote a really good piece on nepotism and Joe Barry for Acme Packing Co. And I went back to it today because I remembered reading it. And then today I was like, I got to go back and I got to freshen up on the details. You should go read it because it's nuts the way that uh, Bum Phillips and uh, his son. Uh, God, why can't I remember it? Wade Phillips, thank you. I don't know who I'm thanking, but Bum Phillips, Wade Phillips, Joe Barry, his dad, Rob Marinello. This whole—it's amazing. And now you got Zimmers, the D.C., and Clint Kubiak, the son of Gary Kubiak, is the O.C. in Minnesota. The NFL is just a big nepotism pot. It's the worst, okay? And if we remember correctly, the Packers' first choice wasn't Joe Barry. Hell, they wanted Jim Leonard, who's never been a coach in the NFL. He's a D.C. at a Big Ten school, Right? I don't think anyone, the Packers at the very least, were expecting Joe Barry to all of a sudden come to Green Bay and be Tom Landry or Wade Phillips. I don't think anyone was expecting that. And if you did, I think you're a little naive. Okay. And I saw everyone saying yesterday, oh, this defense is the same as last year. Well, not to act like I'm smarter than everyone and I knew all along, because it's easy for me to say after they give up 38 points to the Saints, right? When you bring back everyone, including the very specific cornerback that blew your chance at a Super Bowl. Right, what did you expect? It's like, well, what if we bring back all the same guys and we hire a defensive coordinator who's essentially going to do the same thing? You think that'll change it? No, it probably won't. But, 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 you know what? The defense being the same as last year isn't the indictment that you think it is when you say it. When you say, oh, this Packers defense is the same as last year. Yes, but that's hardly a code red emergency, okay? Because last season, the defense was good enough about 90% of the time. The defense last year was good enough to win a Super Bowl. They gave you three turnovers in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, they botched the Kevin King play so, so bad. So bad. That's inexcusable. I understand it. But that play factored in. The Packers offense had cracks at it. Now, they didn't come through. And it doesn't mean I'm okay or happy about the Kevin King, Scotty Miller. Like, that can't happen. I'm not happy about it. But to say that that defense completely played the Packers out of the game, the defense didn't fumble the ball at the five-yard line. I still feel bad because Rodgers played really well in that game, and I think they absolutely should have won, but the defense didn't blow it, blow it, blow it to the point where the offense had no chance. That was the story of most of the season last year. The defense was good about 90% of the time, and at times, they won because of the defense. The Saints forced the, the Taysom Hill fumbles. Zedaria Smith stripped him in the Saints game, which got the Packers the ball back, and then they were able to drive down and take the lead. The defense held on against Carolina. Say what you want about how bad Carolina was, but... The Packers scored 24 points, and that offense shut off in the second half in the Carolina game, and the defense held on. So there were a couple of moments last year where the defense picked up the offense. Now, that was the outlier, but then again, when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback, the defensive performances should probably be the outliers, especially in a year where the, the quarterback wins MVP and Matt LaFleur's offense explodes. You get bust-out seasons from Robert Tunyon, right? You get it. When the defense was bad last year, it was because the offense gave them no support, in the case of the first Tampa Bay game, the regular season game, or because they were situationally horrendous, as was the case in the second Tampa Bay game, because God forbid they only check one box in games against Tom Brady. They had to nail them both. The offense either gave them no support, or they were really bad situationally. See, touchdown, Scotty Miller, Kevin King, six seconds left, the play that is etched into my brain. They were bad situationally yesterday, here and there. New Orleans was five of 10 on third down and third down conversion rate is fluky to an extent, but also like there were just times they couldn't get off the field and they were two of two on fourth down, including a play on the goal line. Where was it? I think it was Rashawn Gary had Jameis Smith, Jameis Winston in his arms. And then the ball goes into the end zone and Amos is going up against the tight end. And Amos first is like, Oh, I'm going to make a play on the ball. Then he decided, Oh no, I'm going to play the tight end. I'm going to get him out of bounds before he catches it. And then he just ended up doing neither. And it looked really awkward. Like, that's bad situational play. They had opportunities here and there to get the Saints off the field. They couldn't do it. But, 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 they got zero help from Aaron Rodgers in the offense. None. They got crushed in time of possession, 34 minutes to 25 minutes. I have a really difficult time losing sleep and yelling about Joe Barry and his defense when we kind of know what they are. And we knew what they were coming in. It's really been the same defense from the last three years. When you get crushed in time of possession and you can't run the ball and you can't throw the ball and you only score three points, what the defense does is kind of secondary. And if they give up 42 points, okay, they give up 42 points, but it's not like Jim Leonard and the Badgers here where the the Packers are going to lose games 10 to 3. If Aaron Rodgers in the offense only scores three points, it's not going to be pretty because the defense is going to give up points. They're not going to get stops on every drive. They're not going to get turnovers on every drive. The points are going to come. I got zero help from the offense yesterday. And I will point this out just to play devil's advocate for everyone who wants to crush Joe Barry. And look, Joe Barry's been the biggest recipient of nepotism time and time again in the NFL. And like, I don't really have any interest in defending him. But the defense as a whole gave the ball back to the Packers to start the second half. The Packers got the ball out of halftime. They drove down the field, and Aaron Rodgers threw one of the worst interceptions I can remember him throwing in the last three or four years. If the Packers punch that in, then the defense turns around and gets that stop. The Packers would have had the ball down seven after starting. Like, you could not have started worse. You couldn't have started worse. And the defense still would have been handing the ball back to Aaron Rodgers down seven. And at that point, you're feeling like you have some momentum. And then who knows? The pressure dials up a little bit, and Jameis Winston might get a little bit looser with the ball. But you allowed the Saints and their amazing play caller behind their great tackles to just orchestrate drive after drive after drive playing from ahead because the offense couldn't get it together. The defense gave him a chance in that third quarter. There was a junction right there. There was a sliding door moment that could have gone differently, and it didn't because Rodgers threw one of the worst picks I've seen him throw the last couple of years. Everyone is saying, oh, it's the same defense. Yeah, and it's not great, but it's not the end of the world. It's not as damning as it sounds. And the Packers, like most teams this year, are probably going to sit too high and force teams to go repeatedly underneath, underneath, underneath. And yesterday, the Saints did that, to their credit. The Packers did not. Right? You hope for big plays from the Smiths or Rashawn Gary or Jair. I'd say Rashawn Gary, but they don't play him enough snaps. He only had like 14 pass rushing snaps yesterday, which is inexcusable. Actually, I have that number somewhere. I want to make sure I have that right because I don't want to be spreading misinformation. Rashawn Gary, 16 times. Rashawn Gary led the Packers with four pressures and two quarterback hits only rushed 16 times. That number's inexcusable. It has to be higher. Like, I give him reps over Preston Smith, and I like Preston Smith, but Rashawn Gary is your future. Eric Stokes is your future over Kevin King, too. I, like, I don't care if Stokes is worse. I'm not wasting time watching Kevin King getting cooked by some receiver I've never heard of. And, like, who did you get? I almost said DeJounte Murray, but he plays for the Saints. Who did Kevin King get busted by on that deep route? It's not DeJounte Johnson. It's not DeJounte Murray. Well, that's got a load. Uh, receiving, receiving Deontay Harris, not Deontay Johnson or Deontay Murray, Deontay Harris cooked him for a 55 yard touchdown. I don't need to see that again. If Eric Stokes get cooked on a bomb, okay, at least he's learning and he might get better. Kevin, I'm kind of over Kevin King. He's a depth piece, a depth piece that the Packers didn't have last year behind Kevin King. That might've put him in the Super Bowl too. Also, can we play some press press coverage for God's sake? We're drafting corners in the first round, and you have Jair Alexander. Can you at least let him play physical press? That's what the Saints did yesterday. That's what Lattimore did. And this, what is his name, Adobe? Make sure I have it right here. He was great. Adebo. He was awesome yesterday. And the Saints let their corners play physical man press coverage, and it worked really well. It got the Packers off their spot. Paulson Adebo. He was great. Let Jair do that. Let Eric Stokes do that. Whatever. I'll live with the results. Let's wrap up the Wisco Sports Show after this.
2: This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, here's Mike Clemens.
3: The Packers were blown out by the Saints 38-3 here in Jacksonville. Aaron Rodgers threw two interceptions after only having five all last year. It was one of the worst games of his career. It's just one
0: game. You know, we played bad. I played bad. Offensively, we didn't
3: execute very well uh one game, we got 16 to go. The Saints' Jameis Winston threw for five touchdowns with a quarterback rating of 130.8. Saints' running back Alvin Kamara asked if he'd ever had any concerns about Winston when he came over from the Buccaneers. I
1: ain't have no questions about him. You know what I'm saying? My impressions is what I've felt the whole camp. You know, I mean, he works hard. You see what he did early in his career when he threw for however many yards and touchdowns. He don't do that on accident in this league. So, I mean, Jameis is, I mean, he, he's a pro quarterback.
3: Jameis Winston telling reporters, the team dedicated the win to the victims of Hurricane Ida
1: that was for the city so shout out to the city of New Orleans we
2: did that for them uh, we knew how much it would it would mean to to get a great victory for that reason they've been through so much
3: so now the Packers open the season at 0-1 and they host the Lions next Monday night Matt LaFleur asked if he was doing any second guessing certainly I think you, you question every decision you make when, when you put a performance like that out there you know we haven't had
6: too many of those i think offensively a couple years ago week one chicago was one that comes to mind but our defense absolutely dominated and we stayed in the ball game and today when you get both sides of the ball that are doing that you get your whip 38 to 3
2: best packers coverage
1: mike clements mike is set to join us tomorrow i don't I don't know, though, because the Brewers start at 5.05, so we're only going to have one hour tonight. It's not that I, I don't want to have Mike on. I would rather have Mike on a day that we're, we have a full two hours, because Mike and I typically take about 25 minutes. That'd be basically the whole show tomorrow, and I feel like we have a lot to talk about, so maybe I'll say, hey, uh, Mike, Wednesday, Thursday, also, would those work? So I don't know. Not that you care. I don't, like, I never plan more than a day in advance anyways, but... Mike might join us tomorrow or maybe Wednesday or Thursday. That's I should have just kept the behind-the-scenes stuff behind the scenes. 608-796-2558. I have a text from Todd No Claire, and when I saw that Todd texted in, I got scared because typically when Todd texts in, it's to correct things that I've said wrong. And I could have said a lot of things wrong in the last 20 minutes, but nothing that Todd picked up on because he instead sent us a stat. Uh, the stat is the passer rating of a quarterback uh, hikes the ball and throws it into the dirt on every play is 396 Aaron Rodgers' passer rating week one, 32.8. Whoosh, which I know is a stat that had been thrown around. Maybe you saw it or maybe you heard it on another show today. This is the thing about me. Uh, this is the thing about me going on at 4 p.m. All these fancy stats, they all get thrown around on morning shows and then on Bill's show. And by the time I get here, I can't. I, I, I don't take people's breath away with these stats because they've been hit over the head already. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers would have had a better passer rating or a QB rating, pass rating, pass rating, yes. He would have had a better pass rating simply spiking the ball into the dirt every single play yesterday, which, I mean, would have saved us all a lot of time. Aaron Rodgers cannot play the way he played yesterday. And seeing we only have two minutes, let me summarize the big takeaway from today. In 2020, Rodgers was super successful and the offense was successful, even against good defenses, to a lesser degree against good defenses, but still successful and applicable against good defenses because it was sound It was technically sound. They had specific places where the ball was designed to go, and Rodgers got the ball where it was supposed to go when it was supposed to get there. And if that fell through, then Rodgers can make some magic with Devontae Adams or at times Lazard or MVS or Jones. There was improvisation, but that was a small fraction of what the offense did last year. Yesterday, same defensive circumstances. The defense basically forced the Packers to go underneath and dink and dunk their way down the field, and Rodgers did the exact opposite of what he did last year. Instead, he started taking shots. A lot of uncatchable balls, a lot of throwaways, a lot of passes that just didn't really have a chance. So a lot of times it's second and 10 instead of second and six or five. It's third and eight instead of third and three because the first two downs were throwaways. Rodgers is yakking shots down the field or throwing to the sidelines, then third down rolls around, and now they might rush the passer a little bit, right? And that's when there was pressure, poor mistakes and that's why they were one of ten on third down third down conversion is a fluky stat to some degree but not really to the degree we saw yesterday they were third and long all day because they were wasting plays on first and second down whereas last year we didn't see that they were using every play to get some semblance of yardage we didn't really see that at all yesterday need to be more crisp more efficient do the little things before the big things can come Enjoy Monday Night Football tonight. Enjoy the Brewers. I'll be back tomorrow. Or Brewers are off today. Enjoy Monday Night Football. Talk to you tomorrow.